What's going on, Far Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars in 10. So how's everyone doing this Thursday? I hope everyone is doing good on your side of the galaxy. Not much new happening out here on Outer Rim. So I think we should get back to the story because I really want to find out what's happening between Xana and Bane. Does Xana kill Bane and take over as the Dark Lord of the Sith? Or does Bane pull a rabbit out of the hat and get away? The only way we're going to find out is get to the next part. But first, we got to drop the intro. <laughs> This is your fault. If you hadn't been so set on seeking revenge, if you hadn't brought the prisoner here, none of this would have happened. Lucia would still be alive. The voice inside her head spoke the truth, but Sarah still felt nothing. It was as if her emotions, so damaged by the deaths of Garen and Kaleeb, had finally shut down completely. Then she became aware of a strange, high-pitched hum behind the clang of the alarms. Not the sound of any lightsaber she had ever heard, and not a sound her ears found comfortable. She rose and walked farther down the hall toward the source of the noise, leaving Lucia's broken body behind her. As she drew nearer, she began to hear other sounds, grunts of exertion, short exclamations of anger and pain, the heavy thump of feet on the stone floor. She recognized them as the sounds of battle. No blasters, though. Reaching the intersection of another corridor, she saw a flicker of movement from the corner of her eye. Turning to the left, she saw two figures at the far end of the passage, less than 20 meters away from where she stood. She recognized the prisoner instantly. The second figure she had never seen before, yet she knew who this was. The blonde woman the Huntress spoke of. They were facing each other, clearly locked in an intense struggle. The prisoner was nearly twice the size of his opponent, but she was clearly the aggressor. The woman was armed with a double-bladed lightsaber, but the prisoner had no weapon as far as Sarah could tell. He was backing up warily, his eyes locked on the woman as she approached. She was closing in on him slowly, trying to back him into a corner and cut off his retreat. Just before she had him pinned, however, a bolt of violet lightning shot forth from his palm. The woman countered by catching the bolt with one of her lightsaber blades. It absorbed the energy, emitting the strange high-pitched hum Sarah had heard earlier. The two combatants were so focused on each other that neither had noticed Sarah. She should have been terrified. She should have turned and fled, running back the way she had come. Yet she felt only the empty calm that had settled over her on discovering Lucia's body. Without any real sense of urgency, she turned and walked back down the hall to where her friend lay on the floor. Crouching down, she seized the muscular woman by her wrists and began to drag her down the hall, groaning under the strain as she walked backward. Burdened by the weight, she made her way slowly back to the control room. The muscles in her neck, shoulders, and lower back began to throb almost immediately, but Sarah didn't stop. The sensation was muted, as numb and distant as her feelings of grief. Eventually, she reached the control room, but she didn't pause at the self-destruct console. Instead, she dragged Lucia through the door at the back, and with some difficulty, hoisted her into the hold of the small escape shuttle. Then she returned to the keypad and punched in the self-destruct code. This time, there was no hesitation before she pushed the confirm button. The sound of the alarms changed, 
Instead of the relentless clang, clang, clang warning of an escaped prisoner, it became a long, whooping wail. Sarah knew she had only a few minutes before the first series of explosions would begin, but she couldn't bring herself to leave. Not yet. Time seemed to stand still as she stood by the console, waiting expectantly. Hours seemed to pass, though in truth it was only a matter of minutes. And then she felt a small tremor beneath her feet. The shockwave from the first detonation in the deepest level of the facility. A few seconds later, it was followed by another tremor, and then another after that. Satisfied, she turned and headed out to the escape shuttle. The destruction of the stone prison had begun. The Huntress had never faced a more frustrating opponent. Despite the lightsaber in his hand, the man refused to stand and fight. He ducked and ran back and forth between the hulls of the ships, moving from one hiding place to another, always a step ahead of her. She could have sheathed her vibroblades and drawn the twin blasters tucked inside the folds of her cloak, but she knew it wouldn't do any good. Her adversary was too quick for her to ever get a clear shot. And even if she did, he'd probably just slap the bolt away with his lightsaber. She caught a glimpse of him darting across the aisle between her shuttle and the one parked beside it. She didn't chase him, though. She turned and ran behind her own shuttle, taking a path parallel to his in the hope of cutting him off. Chewing the ground up with long, effortless strides, she raced around the side of the ship, hoping to flank her unsuspecting opponent. Instead, she came within a centimeter of being decapitated as his lightsaber came hurtling through the air toward her. She let herself collapse to the ground, falling awkwardly back into the side as her legs shot out from under her. The maneuver was ungainly, but it saved her life. The deadly energy blade whistled by her ear, slicing a thumb-sized chunk out of one of her horns before circling back on a tight arc and returning to her opponent's hand. Ignoring the stinging pain from her horn, she scrambled back to her feet, vibroblades ready. But her opponent didn't press his advantage. He disappeared again, vanishing around the nose of the ship. Her injury wasn't serious. Iktochi horns contained no vital organs or major arteries. Even if completely severed, the wound would not be life-threatening, though it would be agonizingly painful. In time, the missing chunk would even grow back leaving no evidence of how close she had come to dying in the hangar. But she had nearly died. She realized her opponent was cunning. He had wanted her to see him, knowing she'd double around to try and cut him off. She had underestimated him, and he had manipulated her, goading her into a careless mistake. He had set a trap, and she had walked right into it. She wouldn't make the same mistake twice. Set crouched down behind one of the ships, gasping for breath. To some extent, he had been able to resist the Iktochi's strange ability. He was able to fight through her ability to draw on the Force, but the effort had left him exhausted. And it still messed you up enough so that she was able to dodge your lightsaber. The Dark Jedi frowned at the memory of how close he had come to ending this battle, even as he forced himself to get up and get moving again. He couldn't stay in one place for more than a few seconds. Not unless he wanted to end up dead. He knew she'd be more careful now. He'd missed his best chance. The Iktochi was too quick for him to beat in a straight-up fight. Not with her disrupting his connection to the Force and slowing him down. So far, he'd managed to avoid a direct confrontation. But he couldn't keep running for much longer. He had a stitch in his side, 
and his lungs felt like they were going to burst. Unless something happened to change the situation, the outcome was inevitable. As if in answer to his prayers, there was a sudden change in the sound of the alarms. It only took Set a moment to figure out what had happened, and a new escape plan began to form in his mind. Okay, that wasn't what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear about Xana and Bane's fight, but we only got to hear them in battle for a few moments, and that was from Sarah's point of view. This part is about Sarah dragging Lucia's body back to the control room and sticking her in an escape pod and activating the prison self-destruct sequence. But before she joins Lucia in the ship, she waits to hear the explosions start to happen. I don't understand why she did this, but that's what it said. If it was me, I would have got out of there as soon as I could. Then it jumps to Set and the Huntress. They are running around the hangar trying to kill each other. Set is hiding behind one of the ships when he throws his lightsaber and almost gets the Huntress. She drops to the floor right in the nick of time, so the lightsaber only takes out a chunk of her horns. It's not life-threatening, but it does hurt, and it will grow back after some time. Set was getting tired, and he couldn't keep this up. If things remained the same for much longer, he was going to lose. Then all of a sudden, alarms change, and that's where this part came to an end. I am still mad that we only got a few moments of Bane and Xana fighting. I was hoping that we would have got more. Maybe tomorrow we will find out more about their battle, but you will have to tune in to see. Hopefully, we will see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars in 10. Tune in next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on all major podcast directories. If you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Star Wars in 10 was created by Kenai Shed and is distributed by Swaycast Network. This show was produced by Pigfield Media, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Leslie Schneider. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>